You know, the mainstream media actually tries to blame Senator Rand Paul for his injuries, for getting beaten up by his neighbor. Senator Rand Paul's wife has written an opinion piece on CNN.com saying that her husband, every time he takes a breath, he suffers from pain. It is painful for him to breathe. That's all day, every day. For many weeks now, she says he wakes up in the middle of the night having coughing fits. He now is suffering a bout of pneumonia. His lungs are in really bad shape. And he still flew to Washington because he wanted to be there to be able to vote for the tax bill, which is pretty interesting. But here's outrageous that the mainstream media talks about how Rand Paul's a tough neighbor to live near, some kind of argument that they had over landscaping. Now, his wife says that there's no truth to that whatsoever, and that Rand Paul, in fact, is a model citizen to have as a neighbor. But that's not even the point. Let's say he's the worst neighbor ever. Let's say he breaks all the landscaping rules in town, and he makes his front yard into an eyesore, or who knows what. How do you justify somebody attacking him from behind, cracking a bunch of his ribs? Do you realize how severely beaten this man was? And like the mainstream media is trying to like justify it and blame Rand Paul. And it's all we know why. It's because he's a conservative and because he's maybe even a little bit radical and extreme, which I like about him. And uh, I'm not not disagreeing with everything about Rand Paul, especially on foreign policy, but certainly his domestic. But forget politics. It's absurd that we're even having a conversation of defending or to not defend somebody who decided to beat the guy and cause him just these severe, severe injuries. Let's say Chuck Schumer had been attacked by his neighbor. You know the media would be all over it. They'd be blaming the neighbor for being some sort of like radical right-wing nutcase. They'd be blaming Rush Limbaugh for causing the guy to go off the deep end. I mean, hello, and, and yet like this is even a conversation. All right, what's going on in Lebanon right now, it, and we've kept you updated here, the situation, the details are really, really... Uh, confusing because you can't trust anybody. Let me, let me just tell you what we know. Lebanese Prime Minister Hariri, he resigned uh, a, a few days ago, and now he's back. He says, you know what? Let's cancel that that resignation thing. That's done. Canceled. I'm back to work. He had been uh, kept in Saudi Arabia, supposedly for his protection, but what's really going on here is there are two versions of the story. One version is that he got this threat. He was made known of this threat to his life, assassination threat by the Iranians. And the Iranians, by the way, support Hezbollah, and Hariri is not a Hezbollah guy. So there was this report that he fled to Saudi Arabia for safety because he was worried, he he feared for his life, he was worried that the Iranians would assassinate him. Now, if that's true, then it makes you wonder, well, what suddenly happened? You know, he flew to France, met with Macron in France, and now suddenly he's back at his job. Uh, What happened to the Iranian threat? Uh, the, the other version of the story is that the Saudis, who he's he's allied with the Sa- the Saudis, Hariri is is buddies with the Saudis, who are of course the enemy of Iran. And the the other version is that the Saudis actually kept him under house arrest. He denies that. The Saudis deny that. Really hard to know what to believe. But the idea of that somehow is that the Saudis wanna get at Iran and they want to get at Hezbollah. And this guy Hariri, it seems, is cozying up to Hezbollah, even though, like I said, he's not a Hezbollah person, but this is the other version, is that he's buddy-buddy with them lately, and he wants to kind of keep the peace with Hezbollah. Saudi Arabia doesn't like that. They want to pressure him, so they said, all right, let's get Hariri out of the way. I don't know which version to believe, but I will say this, and, and that just goes to show you, they're all thugs, they're all corrupt, and you, you, you can't believe any and trust any of them. You know, 
I keep talking about the Saudis having this alliance with Israel, and it and it's true, and they're exchanging intelligence and information, and they're working together to try to combat Iran. They're not friends. You cannot trust the Saudis. You cannot you cannot trust any of these countries. Okay, the Saudis are behind nine eleven. I mean, it's as simple as that. So it's like literally pick your poison. It's like we have these two factions, these these, these two sides going at it. They're both evil. And they're killing each other, but we have to figure out, you know, we stay out of it as much as possible. We have to figure out, all right, which one of these two evil empires is slightly less evil so that we can join uh, join forces with them. That's really what it's all about. And, and, and all this does is really underscore that. But I do want to say this. Hezbollah has got to be destroyed. Hezbollah is gaining more and more power. Thanks to the Iranians. Thanks to the mess in Syria. Thanks to Vladimir Putin. And Israel is viewing them as possibly their number one threat. They're a lot more powerful right now than Hamas, and they they have to be stopped. And the Saudis, it seems, want to stop them. I don't know if Hariri does or not, but the Saudis do. The Iranians, Putin, Syrians, that's the last thing they want. And uh, Bashar al-Assad just had a meeting with Vladimir Putin, by the way, and this is obviously very connected to that as well. So my point is there are those who say it's an opinion piece by a Middle East expert in, in The Hill, uh, on Wednesday, saying that you've got to protect Hezbollah. He says the, the Israelis want to attack Hezbollah. If you attack Hezbollah, you're going to bring down the whole country, the whole Lebanon. And you need Lebanon right now to to be stable. Because if you bring down Lebanon, then that's gonna, just going to destabilize the region even further. Iran's going to swoop in. I disagree. Now, this is it's really hard to know all the facts on the ground. But I don't see any way how propping up Hezbollah is a good thing. Okay, that doesn't make any sense to me. I, I, I understand that if you right now declare war on Lebanon to try to get to Hezbollah, I understand that's going to be bad for the region. But bottom line, Iran's strength, this, this article in The Hill, this opinion piece, was tried to make the case that Iran's going to be even stronger than if you get rid of Hezbollah because then the entire Lebanon is going to be destabilized. It doesn't make any sense to me. Iran's strength comes from Hezbollah. If Hezbollah's gone, yes, there there will be instability in the region, but let's face it, it's a really unstable region already, and at least Hezbollah will be out of the way. Anyway, but to to, to at least have clarified the situation a little bit, as much as I'm able to, because even I don't have total clarity, because nobody does. You wonder if the parties involved even, you know, really fully understand what's happening. But the bottom line is this guy Hariri is back in power. The Saudis at least are saying they support him, and he is not a friend of Hezbollah, but it seems that he's trying to make peace with Hezbollah. And is that a good thing or not? I have my doubts, but we'll wait and see, and we'll keep you updated. All right, jobless claims have dropped even further. Unemployment claims are, have continued this record streak, and they're at the lowest levels uh, basically since 1970, which is Astonishing, okay? For the week ending November 18th, new claims for unemployment insurance dropped by 13,000 to 239,000 total jobless claims, okay? That means they have held below 300,000 for 142 weeks. For almost three years, jobless claims have been below 300,000. That's the longest streak since 1970, but they're saying that it's really the longest streak ever because if you factor in the increase in population in the last 47 years, then the, the percent percentage-wise, this is the lowest streak ever. Basically, it's good news, folks. People have jobs. People Jobs are being created. People are employed, and jobless claims are at basically an all-time low. Now, 
this is not only President Trump. I I have to give credit to Obama. Unfortunately, <laughs> uh, it, it, this is a three-year streak. So this did not start with President Trump. But I think we all agree that President Trump is the most business-friendly president that we have had since Reagan. And uh, and and maybe even more so than than Reagan. I mean, this is just the beginning. I mean, it's only he's only been in office a few months. I know it seems like a long time, but it's really not been very long at all. It's he was elected less than a year ago. He took office in January. So all I see is America becoming great again economically and in other ways too. And it's exciting. And uh, we'll keep an eye on it now. Uh, Alan Dershowitz says. That Bob Mueller is overstepping his bounds. Alan Dershowitz, he's no conservative. He's no fan of President Trump. He he's a big liberal, but he's also very honest and, and, and a very straight shooter. He's also pro Israel. And I, I like Alan Dershowitz. Alan Dershowitz and EVS, even when I disagree with him, he's he's in favor of Obamacare, okay? But I still like him. But because he's at least he's honest, unlike a lot of these other folks. Now, he says that number one, Mueller is going way too far investigating all these things that have nothing to do with Russian collusion, like the Paul Manafort story and other stories where he's just trying to squeeze these people to testify against President Trump. He says what that does is, and this is obvious, but it's good to hear from Harvard law professor. He says that uh, that just forces people to lie and exaggerate the truth because they know that if they want to cut a deal, they've got to give Mueller what he wants. So if Manafort wants a deal uh, or his Manafort's uh, you know, son, or the other people, Mike Flynn, the other people involved in this, then what do they have to do? They, they have to ante up, right? They have to testify against President Trump. And if the truth doesn't, doesn't, doesn't satisfy Mueller, then they're going to have to make up lies and exaggerations about what President Trump did uh, in order to satisfy Mueller, in order to get this plea bargain deal and avoid jail time, or at least have their sentence reduced. So that's number one. Number two, Dershowitz says President Trump didn't do anything wrong. He says firing Comey, the president has every right to fire the FBI director, and he doesn't need to give a reason, which Trump did, by the way, a very valid reason, which was uh, agreed to by Rod Rosenstein, Deputy, deputy Attorney General. But uh, Dershowitz says that you, you can't look at President Trump's intent or obstruction of justice to do something that he has every right to do because maybe he didn't have the best intentions. Like, come on, that's not law. That's Dershowitz talk. Also says that the president could tell the DOJ who to investigate. People are all concerned that President Trump is guiding the DOJ on their investigations and he has no right to do that. He has to let them be independent telling them to investigate Hillary, telling them other people they should be investigating. Guess what? Dershowitz says he does have the right to do that. The president is well within his rights to advise and instruct the DOJ who they should investigate. Now, does that mean that he could say, don't investigate me even if I committed a crime? Obviously not. But people were concerned that somehow President Trump can't tell Sessions what to do, whether to investigate Hillary and put pressure on him to investigate the Democrats. Guess what? And he tweeted, you know, Sessions should be doing more. How dare he? He's not. He is allowed to do it. Dershowitz, the Harvard Law professor, the biggest, one of the biggest legal scholars and experts in our country, actually says President Trump did nothing wrong. So, pretty amazing stuff. All right. And uh, that's going to do it for today. We thank you all for joining us, uh, and we will see you next time.